0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the scripture readings for this weekend, all three readings have a common theme woven between them. I would say the theme is, every saint had a past and every sinner has a future with Christ. Just look at the very early saints of our church history. Take Matthew. Before he was called to be an apostle by Jesus Christ, he was a tax collector. And he collected taxes for the Romans, the very oppressors of the Israelite people. More to it, Matthew, he derived his income, his salary, by skimming off the taxes he collected. How about Paul? Before his conversion, Paul was the worst persecutor of our church. He literally presided over the deaths of Christians. How about St. Augustine? Before his conversion, he lived a life of debauchery, drunkenness, and adultery. And yet after all of their conversions, they left their sins in the past, and they were drawn by Christ to live for the future. And in doing so, they became great apostles. And great doctors of our church. And thereby, this theme holds true. Every saint had a past, and yet every sinner has a future in Jesus Christ. And so, the readings for this weekend, all three of them, speak volumes about this theme. Now, go to the first reading. Here we have the prophet Isaiah. Now, what's going on here? The Israelites have been conquered by the Babylonians, and now they're living as slaves. They think all is hopeless. They think they have no hope for the future. God has abandoned them. Therefore, there is no hope at all for liberation from their slavery. Now realize, when the Babylonians conquered the Israelites, this was the worst trauma the Israelite nation ever faced in its history. Jerusalem, the capital city, sacked, leveled. The temple first looted and then destroyed. The people carried away in chains to live as slaves. The cause of it was the Israelite people themselves, their sin and their disobedience to God. And yet with all that, Isaiah, now he is the spokesperson speaking on behalf of God. He says to the Israelite people, Remember not the events of the past, the things long ago consider not. Isaiah is warning the people, don't dwell on the past. Instead, have faith in the future. This is why, Isaiah says next, "See, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? In the desert, I make a way, in the wastelands, rivers. God intends the Israelites not to live in the past, past in which they disobeyed God and sinned. Instead, they must live for the future with the hope of liberation. God is telling the Israelites to have faith in the future. Because if they have faith in the future, then there always is that hope of rescue. And God will rescue them, not just from slavery, but from sin itself. Now, if you look at the Bible, the Bible is very clear about sin. God is not interested in seeing us stuck in our sin, in which we spin our wheels and we can't get out of it. Our God is a God of liberation. He takes us and grabs us, leads us out of that quagmire of our sin into a greater life with him. And see, this is what Isaiah is telling the Israelites, to look and live for the future. Our God is a God of the present and the future. In doing so, we must always look and live for the future, because in the future, there is hope. There is the hope for the Israelites of liberation, not just from slavery, but from sin itself. Again, there's that theme. With every saint, there is a past. But with every sinner, there is the hope of a future with Christ. Now, with that in mind, go into the second reading. Here we have Paul's letter to the Philippians. And Paul basically tells us the exact same message, that same theme. Paul's faith in Christ is unshakable. Paul has full optimism about the future. That's why he says, It is not that I have already taken hold of it or have already attained perfect maturity. He's talking about his faith. But I continue my pursuit in hope that I may possess it, since I have indeed taken possession of by Christ Jesus. Paul recognizes on that road to Damascus, he was literally taken possession of by Jesus Christ. His life was never going to be the same again, including his future. Now, realize who Paul was before his conversion on that road to Damascus. Paul was probably considered the worst persecutor of our church. Paul, if you read Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, as well as chapter 11, Paul was literally breaking into people's houses and arresting men, women, and even children who professed faith in Christ. He would lead them to prison in shackles and then preside over their deaths. At that time, Paul realized that Christianity was a threat to Judaism. So, he went about to the best of his abilities to annihilate it and stamp it out. And yet, on that road to Damascus, he encountered Christ himself. And in doing so, it changed his life forever. Now, he was destined to become the greatest apostle in our church. Paul recognizes in this letter to the Philippians, the future is bright as it lies ahead of him. Now notice, Paul is looking forward into the future. He's not looking back. He's not obsessing about his past or about his sins. No, he's telling us that God wants us to move into the future. See, Paul is not concerned about his past or about his sins. The one thing Paul is concerned about is that how God, how Jesus Christ, will accomplish many great things with him and in his name. What Paul is really trying to tell us is he doesn't bother with the past. Instead, neither should we. We shouldn't be preoccupied with our past sins. Instead, God is interested in our future, in seeing the person we were created or intended us to be. God looks at us and he sees our potential. He sees all the good things that we can do, but it happens in the future. That's why we should always look and live for the future and live out that potential that God sees in us. That's why Paul continues. He says, Just one thing forgetting what lies behind, that's our sin, but straining forward to what lies ahead. I continue my pursuit toward the goal, the prize of God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. Here Paul is encouraging us to summon the courage and the conviction to not live in the past, not live in our own sinfulness, but instead charge forward ahead into the future in the pursuit of holiness in a life with Christ. And this is the basis for Paul's optimism. Just as Paul didn't linger in the past of his own sinfulness, neither should we. Instead, we need to turn and focus our attention to the future. That's where salvation can be found. Again, every saint, yes, they had a past, but every sinner has a bright future with Christ. Now, with that in mind, go into the gospel. Here we hear that classic story of the woman caught in adultery. Now, how does it begin? It says, early in the morning, Jesus arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Now, notice, early in the morning, people, they don't go to the marketplace to buy food for the day. They don't go to the well to get water for the day. They don't go to work instead they get up and immediately they go to the temple to listen to Jesus that's a great spiritual exercise for all of us isn't it when we begin our day we should carve a little notch of that day for Christ as we begin our day you know carve a little notch in which we pray to God and in doing so now we listen to Jesus speak to us it's very easy we can do it in many ways when you're going to work, when you go into to the grocery store, you're all alone in the car, turn off the radio, turn off the phone, and now pray and listen to Christ speaking to you. Now, the story continues. The Pharisees, they catch this woman in adultery. Now, they don't really care about this woman. They're just trying to trap Jesus to find some incriminating evidence to put him in prison. Now, they lay the trap for him. Jesus authorizes the stoning and says, yes, go ahead with it, they can report him to the Roman authorities. Only Roman law can a Roman citizen carry out a capital punishment, which this is. Now, if Jesus says, no, don't stone her, well, now the Pharisees can discredit Jesus because it contradicts Mosaic law. So it seems they've set the perfect trap for Jesus. No matter how he answers, he's going to say something wrong and they'll have them. Now, Jesus, it says he bent down and began to write things in the sand. Scripture scholars for centuries have wondered what he wrote. Well, we really don't know. But it says he bent up and said, let one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. Well, brilliantly, he eludes the trap. He doesn't condone the stoning at all, And yet, he doesn't incriminate himself against Roman or even Mosaic law. Essentially, he turns the tables on the Pharisees. And this is the genius of his answer. Now, notice the story. How does it begin? With the Pharisees grabbing this woman and dragging her to Jesus, as if the Pharisees had never sinned before in their lives. How does it end? The very Pharisees walking away from Jesus publicly acknowledging their own sin. Therein lies at the heart of the message. We are all sinners, and we are all in solidarity together. And in that solidarity together, it should awaken within us a great compassion for each other. We should not be judging one another. No. Instead, our solidarity should prompt compassion for each and every one of us, because we're all in the same boat. Now, What does Jesus say to this woman? Has no one condemned you? The woman replied, no one, sir. Then Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, do not sin anymore. Now notice here, Jesus does not condemn the woman. He forgives her sins that are now in the past. And now he challenges her to live a life of holiness in the future. Again, the emphasis is not in the past But in the future, to reform your life and to live a life of holiness with Christ. That's why Paul says in the second reading, We are straining for what lies ahead. Well, what does truly lie ahead for all of us? A future, living our lives with Jesus Christ, and living out the potential that God sees in each and every one of us. Paul continues, He says, We are in pursuit of the goal, the prize. Well, what is the goal for us? The upward calling of Christ, becoming the person that God intended or created us to be. Again, there's that theme. For every saint, or even for us, there is a past. And yet, for every sinner, that means us, there is a bright future with us in union with Christ. Now, you say to yourself, well, how does this apply to me? Well, maybe we have been imprisoned by our sin. Maybe we have had a past life in which we say to ourselves, there's no way that God can forgive me for the things I've done. Or maybe just the opposite. Maybe we've been a victim. Maybe someone has said or done something that have hurt us deeply and the wounds run deep with inside of us such that they feel that we cannot ever be healed from them. Well, what must we do? Well, do what the saints did. Do what the Israelites and Paul did, as well as this woman in the gospel. Go to Christ. Allow Christ to forgive your past sins or the sins of others' transgressions against you. And then surrender yourself to Christ. You know, be drawn up to that upward calling to Christ, where Christ wants all of us to live in the future in which we can live out that potential that God sees in each and every one of us to become the person that God created or intended us to be. That's our future. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest in you always.